Bonnie. Hey, Megan. Welcome to worship at First United Methodist Church. I'm really happy to see all of you gathered here today. Uh, this is the Labor Day faithful, and I'm thankful for the Labor Day weekend faithful. And I'm thankful for those of you who are worshiping with us online. Uh, if you would, take a moment and register your attendance, either by the pad at the end of your pew, or if you're online, by commenting uh, on our service, so we'll know who is worshiping with us. Uh, this week, there are several opportunities for you to engage in uh, life at First United Methodist Church. I know that Miss Catherine continues to look for Sunday school teachers, and she would love to have you and would train you and make it easy for you. Just contact her or the church office if you would like to be a teacher for our, our children. Also, handbell choir starts this week 4 30 on wednesdays monica next wednesday i'm sorry next wednesday starts next wednesday and that will be a great opportunity for you to get involved with the music program you can see monica monica raise your hand um and she would be glad to tell you more also a wednesday morning bible study starts back up this week uh, 11 o'clock, just show up, and uh, we would love to have you as part of that study. Let us prepare ourselves for worship with prayer. Wonderful God, come Holy Spirit, fill us with the fire of your love. Renew us, bless us, and draw us closer to you in this time of worship. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Amen. You may be seated. As we move to our morning prayer and worshiping God with our morning offering, uh, I just want to remind you that on our first Sunday here at First United Methodist Church, Communion Sundays, the children are invited to stay in worship. And we do this because we value our children and we want them to be part of worship. So parents, if your children are wiggly and squiggly and make noise, that is a beautiful noise to have in worship. It reminds us of, of children in our midst and reminds us how important they are to the body of Christ. So if you don't have an activity bag, you may want to grab one. And please remember, children are invited to participate in Holy Communion. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, all that we have was yours, is yours, and will be yours. And out of those gifts, we offer back to you what is yours. God, praying that you would guide us in its use and multiply it so that your kingdom may come. Especially for those in need today, we lift up our brothers and sisters who are sick and hurting those who are struggling, uh, those who face hurricane damage this week, those who mourn, God, be with them. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon them and on us gathered here. God, forgive us our sins, draw us closer to you, and help us to be more faithful in our walk of discipleship. This we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. If the ushers will come forward, we will receive our morning offering.
Amen. So this Sunday we start a new sermon series called Get in the Game. And to begin this series, we're going to start with a blog post that I once read from church growth expert Tom Rainier. Now, I want you to know that this blog post that compares a church member and a football fan is hyperbole. He's a bit sarcastic and a bit harsh, and I certainly was not thinking of any of you as I read this post. And while you may not be able to relate to what I'm about to read, you probably know someone who could fit in one of these categories. Again, I was not thinking of any of you when I decided to share this post. This blog post is called 11 Differences Between a Football Fan and a Church Member. I warn you, he is harsh. Number one, a college fan loves to win. The typical church member never wins anyone to Christ. College football fans are excited if the game goes into overtime. A church member gets mad if the pastor preaches one moment past the allocated time. A college football fan is loyal to the team no matter what. A church member stops attending if things are not going well. A college fan is easily recognized by his or her sportswear, bumper stickers, and team flags. Many Christians cannot even be recognized as Christians by those with whom they associate. A college football fan pays huge dollars for tickets, travel, and refreshments for the game. A church member may or may not give to his or her church. A college football fan reads about his or her football team every day. A church member rarely reads their Bible once in the week. Okay, you notice I'm not looking up at any of you because I don't want to make eye contact and someone think that I'm talking about them. On with number seven. A college football fan attends the game no matter how bad the weather is. A church member stays home if there's a 20% chance of rain. A college football fan invites others to watch the game every week. A church member rarely invites anyone to church. A college football fan is known for his or her passion for the football team. A church member is rarely known for his or her passion for Christ. A college fan will gladly adjust to changes to kickoff time. A church member gets mad if his or her service is changed by just a few minutes. A college football fan is loyal even if the fan never gets to meet the coach. A church member gets mad if the pastor does not visit for every occasion. Okay, I said that is harsh. And it is harsh. It's hyperbole. But as I said, it makes you think. It makes you consider your commitment to Christ. For we're fans of something. It may not be football, but we're fans to something in our lives because we all have something that potentially could draw our heart and lives from Jesus. I invite you now to take your Bible and turn to the Gospel of Mark, the 12th chapter, verses 28 through 34. Mark 28 through 34. Mark 12, 28 through 34. 
hear the good news. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing what he answered, seeing that he answered them well, he asked them, "Which commandment is the first of all?" And Jesus answered, "The first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this: You shall love your neighbor as yourself." There is no other greater commandment than these. Then the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and beside him there is no other. And to love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself. This is much more important than the whole burnt offerings and sacrifice. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared to ask him any question. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, which challenges us and reminds us of your priority or place in our lives where that should be. God, as we look to your word today in this teaching from Jesus, May the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth be pleasing and acceptable unto you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. So today we're going to look at the subject of priorities. And I decided to start uh, this sermon series with priorities because college football seems to be a priority for many people. We all know avid football fans who take their love of football to the extreme. One might even can say that football has become an over-the-top passion for many in our area. How many times have I said to myself, if we could just have as many people in church as were gathered at the stadiums yesterday to watch the big games? What if people were that excited, and what if, if there was that large of a turnout? What if we packed this sanctuary like Bryant-Denny was packed yesterday? Well, this is not an anti-football sermon. In fact, I believe football can be good, clean fun. It's exciting. It's fun to be a fan. It's fun to be excited for something. It's something that blesses our lives and gives us an activity or interest. Most of the time, being a committed fan is just clean, good fun. The problem becomes when we allow our um, fandom or our fanatic nature to get in the way of loving God. The problem becomes when we allow a false god to come before serving the one true God. Our distraction may not even be football. I like football, college and professional football, but honestly, football for me is what you have on the television while you're doing chores around the house. Until I moved to Tuscaloosa, I wasn't that crazy of a fan. I grew up being an Alabama fan, but once you live in Tuscaloosa, it kind of gets in your blood and you have to be an Alabama fan. Sorry about that, Auburn fans. But it's just part part of who I am. I used to think, honestly, that the good news about the Iron Bowl was it's a perfect time to go Christmas shopping without crowds. 
That's the kind of fan that I was. So it's not a distraction for me. But that's not to say that I don't have other distractions in my life, because I do. We all have something in our lives that gets in the way of loving God with all our heart, mind, and soul. We all have idols in our lives. Now, they don't look the same. They may not be the same. But likely, we have something that distracts us from serving the one true God. In the scripture reading for today, Jesus is confronted by the religious leaders. And they ask him, what's the greatest law there is? And Jesus begins by quoting what is known as the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. And then he quotes from Deuteronomy 6, 5, saying, essentially that you are to completely and fully love God and your neighbor as yourself. This is the first command of the law. All the laws in the Old Testament hang on that law to love God completely. Now, in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, there happen to be 613 laws. 248 of them are positive, which means stuff you should be doing, and 365 are prohibitive, which means things you shouldn't be doing that these laws directed the Jewish belief and practice. In his answer to the teachers of the law, he's essentially saying all those many laws, all those 613 laws essentially hang on this one. You are to fully love God and turn your heart toward him. When Jesus answered the question from the scribe, what commandment is first of all, he answered, what should be a priority for the Jewish people? The answer is simple and certainly not complicated. They should just try to love God fully. Well, at first you think that's not too complicated. But when you look at our lives and all we have in our lives that might draw us from God, you realize it's a bit more complicated than we might think. Even though we're under a new covenant and not bound by those 613 laws, there's certainly a lot that distracts us. We all have things in our lives which draw us from God. Jesus is saying there is one true God. And when we have one true God in our lives, nothing should come before him. Nothing should get in the way of our devotion, of loving God completely. Nothing should distract us from being his children. God is God, and therefore we should have no false idols. And essentially, that's what the Ten Commandments say. The first and the second commandment are this, you shall, uh, you shall have no other God, and you shall not make false gods. The heart of the first commandment is loving God fully, and the second is well. The list that I shared from Tom Rainier earlier with the comparison of the football fan and the church member is taking it to the extreme. But where one would fall on the list is easy to see. We can put our lives in the categories that, that Tom said because while it may not be football, there is probably something in your life in which you're willing to endure inconveniences, in which you give your time, which you love completely, something that can tempt you to draw yourself from God. 
The football fan on Rainer's list loves his team completely, but the church member, not so much. Moving from the list to our lives, it is easy to see where our priorities lie. Think about these questions for your life. Where do you devote your time, and what are you willing to make time for? Where does your loyalty remain, no matter what arises in your life? What do your friends know that you follow and support? Where does your money go? What do you keep informed of? What causes you to willingly endure hardships? What will cause you to adjust your life without a second thought? It may not be football, but if you see a common answer pop up, there you have your priority. That is what your priority is for your life. Now again, this may not be a false idol in your life or something that might be leading you astray, but it's something to pay attention to because our world is filled with so many distractions. Some of those are even positive, things that we're given in life that we can enjoy. But the problem is what we enjoy becomes our focus. It becomes what we are passionate about with our heart, mind, and soul. It distracts us from the Lord. The hobby, the pursuit is not the problem. The problem is when we take our eyes off the Lord and are led by something else. And it's also very sinister because it's not easy enough to stand up here and say, you shouldn't do this, you can't do this, because it's not one thing for one person. Our idols might be different with each person. What distracts me from God may not distract you from God. And what starts out is a simple hobby or a simple commitment or obligation can quickly lead us down a path that draws us from the Lord. The truth is we live in a world that is filled with distractions. And it's easy to look at the Old Testament and say to ourselves, well, we're more sophisticated than that. We don't have idols. We wouldn't bow down and worship a calf made out of gold. We're better than that. But the truth is, our modern world is filled with tons of idols. We have more idols than we could imagine, so many that it would put a Babylonian idol shop to shame. There are idols all around us. And because of that, we have to guard our heart in Jesus Christ. The distractions are real. What draws us from the Lord is real. We must stay connected to Christ. One of the scriptures that I've been thinking about lately in light of this is from John 15. Jesus offers these words, Abide in me and I abide in you. Just as a, fruit cannot be, just as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself,